folks here tonight. Glad to have them all the way from Tennessee, correct? McKenzie, Tennessee. Glad to have them here and have a ministry wall of grace, correct? Wall of Grace Ministries. And it's always a blessing you have other ministry folks stop in and have service with you. So let's put our best foot forward, all right? Let's be nice and smile and shake hands and even if you have to pretend, all right? Let's put on a, a good show at least while we have other visiting preachers here. But we're glad to have you folks with us here tonight. Romans chapter 8, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand together. <clears throat> we're going to read verse 1 down through about verse number 8. And I'm uh, going to do a little expositional preaching tonight. Just kind of go verse by verse, line by line, and uh, give you something. I think I've preached out of Romans 8 since I've been here. Lord, let us go back here tonight uh, as we prepare. Next week, we're going to jump fully into our theme. We've been setting the stage last week, setting the stage a little bit this week for exactly what the theme is and how we're going to go about it. But next week, we actually jump in to the first quarter of our theme for the new year. I'm excited about what I believe God's going to do through that. Romans chapter 8, let's look down to verse number 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Last verse, verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's pray. Let's open our hearts to receive what God would have us to through his word. Father, I do thank you tonight, Lord, for your word, how it speaks to us. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of God that leads us and guides us, that directs us. And Father, as we focus in on that tonight, I pray that, Father, we will see how we must rely as we look to be engaged, to be involved, to participate in your will for this church in the new year. Lord, I pray you keep a hedge of protection about us. I, keep, I pray you keep your hand and power upon us. And I pray we would see you do things that are undoubtedly in your power this year. We pray for souls to be saved. We pray for lives to be changed. We pray that for the very service tonight. We pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A while back, I'm going to say maybe a year and a half ago, Leslie and Miley and I were watching PBS and uh, we didn't have cable or anything like that, and we must have been pretty desperate at the moment. Uh, we watched some PBS documentaries, and we watched a documentary. I may have kind of alluded to it or told you about it before, but give you a little more detail tonight. It was back in 1912, and you know, Teddy Roosevelt was a very adventurous man, adventurous president, liked to go on expeditions and uh, conquer new territory, and he went down to the Amazon River Basin to a place called the River of Doubt. And it was very interesting when you read about this expedition, it was going to take a little over two months long and uh, cover over a thousand miles. And they wanted to go and explore this area that uh, other explorers had never really been into, had never extensively mapped and researched. And uh, as they went down through there, about the first two or three weeks in, they began to realize that as they set out on this journey, they did not pack enough supplies for the journey. 
before long, when the food began to run low and their water began to run low, obviously human nature begins to kick in, and there was some mutinies there along as they sailed down the rivers, and uh, there were some murders that took place. Teddy Roosevelt got very sick and uh, was very near death several times along on this journey, and uh, obviously he survived it, but later we'd go back to talk about, and uh, when he would go and speak before the National Geographic Society would uh, tell the other explorers, one thing you need to make sure of when you go on a journey as extensive as that is make sure that you're prepared for the longevity of the journey and make sure that you're prepared above and beyond for something uh, along of that magnitude. And uh, this afternoon as we, the Lord led us back to Romans chapter number 8, I was thinking about the journey that we're going on together as a church and as we've set out last week to be engaged, to be involved, to find and fulfill the will of God individually and collectively as a church, that as we set out, as we preach this morning, we must make sure we're prepared to make this trip. Uh, This morning we were talking about having a desire and being determined and making sure that we understand the dangers are going to come along the way as we seek to be engaged. But Romans chapter number 8, there's one particular thing, I mentioned it just a moment ago in our prayer, that is going to be imperative on our journey. Uh, There's some things that are optional along the way, you know. We can choose uh, different color paints and different color carpets and things along that line. But when it comes to the will of God and being fully engaged to fulfill the will of God, the indispensable thing we must be mindful of is the Spirit of God. Now look down in Romans chapter 8, if you'll kind of read throughout it, and read it when you get home, don't catch up on your Bible reading at church, but when you read it in Romans chapter 8, you'll find that the Spirit, capital S, is mentioned over 20 times. 20 times the Spirit of God is mentioned. Paul is trying to express the, express the importance of the Spirit of God as we grow and seek to be engaged in the will of God. My go-to passage of Scripture when relating to the Spirit of God is in Acts chapter number 16 where Paul, as right before they received the Macedonian call, every little step along the way, the Bible says the Spirit led them or the Spirit forbade them. And as we take this journey together, As a church to be engaged and find and fulfill the will of God, we must understand that the Spirit of God is indispensable. There's a lot of things we can do without, a lot of things we can go without, but in Zechariah chapter 4, it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, the Bible says, saith the Lord. And if we do not grasp that, And if we don't understand that as a child of God, how imperative the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God is in our life and all of our endeavors, I assure you, we will never fulfill what we could have fulfilled. So tonight we're going to be looking at the thought of the spirit of the engaged. The spirit of the engaged, and we're going to look at maybe four or five things in Romans chapter number eight that will help us understand the power and the importance of the spirit. I was talking to a preacher the other day and uh, not running down Christians in general because I struggle with this very same thing. But I'll be honest with you, I believe one of the biggest problems we have in fulfilling the will of God is most of us are not spiritual people. There's a difference between being religious and being spiritual. And what what do you mean by being spiritual? Well, by being spiritual, meaning that our steps are ordered by the Lord, that the Spirit of God is what we rely on for our power. The Spirit of God is what we rely on for our leadership. Now, the good news is the Spirit of God is available. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came in and dwelt in your heart and is there to guide us and provide us with that power that we're going to need to fulfill this journey. But we've got to learn to rely on it. 
The day I got in my car, and I told you my car is smarter than I am. And it didn't take a, you know, a 1973 Volkswagen. It's probably smarter than I am. But I got in my car, and uh, my car and my watch now communicate to each other. I was telling Brother Brent about it this afternoon. And it tells me, as soon as I get in the car, it tells me exactly how far it is to the school. I don't know how it knows I'm going to the school, but it tells me that I've got four miles to go until I get to the school. And I get in my car, and I look up, and right there on the, uh, the little console up in the air, the light console, there's an OnStar button. And that OnStar is where I can push that little blue button, and I can get in contact with somebody who can help me if I get in trouble and help me navigate if I get lost. Now, I'm sure you're not surprised to know I've never had to push that button. Because I never get lost and I never need help simply because I'm a man. But sooner or later, I'll swallow my pride and I may just have to push, my, push that little button that is there to get me along the way. Now, folks, as a child of God, we have that blue button and it's called the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is there to empower us and to guide us, but we must learn to rely on it. We are far too self-reliant as a people. And when you're self-reliant, you're not spiritually reliant. And when you're not spiritually reliant, I assure you, you will not find your way to fulfill the will of God, at least as you could. So let's start in verse number one of Romans chapter number eight, and let's just work down through here, and let's see what the Spirit of God holds for us as we be engaged in the new year to fulfill His will. Verse number one, the Bible says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ, who walk, that means live, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So notice at the end of verse number 2, the Bible says there is freedom. And the freedom that we have comes when we got saved and being led by the Spirit of God. So number one tonight, notice the Spirit gives us freedom. The Spirit gives us freedom. Can I tell you why so many of us will not be engaged and will not move forward to find and fulfill the will of God. Can I tell you why? Very simply, we're not free to. We don't have the freedom to. You see, the freedom, the Bible says in verse number two, the law of the spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. When that Holy Spirit of God indwells us, he gives us the freedom to go and find what God's prepared in front of us. But sadly, when we're walking in the flesh, rather than walking in the spirit, we don't have the freedom to be engaged. I see even in backslidden Christians, you see in the backs of their eyes, you can just see a little twinkling and a little glimmer of how they desire to serve God. And they see other Christians serving God. They see other people getting involved and getting engaged and finding their place and fulfilling their purpose, and they desire that. By the way, if that desire is not there, we need to talk. We've got to talk. Something's wrong in the heart of a Christian when there's no desire to get involved and be engaged in the will of God. Something's bad wrong. Either you have backslidden and you've gotten so far away that you can't hear God or you may not even be saved. It ought to be there. The desire to serve God and fulfill his will. Well, when you're walking in the flesh, you don't have that freedom. That doesn't mean you're not saved anymore. It just means you have willingly chosen to be incarcerated by the chains of the flesh that you were set free on when you got saved. Willfully. Now, folks, I have told you before, I've never been in prison. Uh, as a resident, I've gone and preached there a few times, preached in a few jails, and I was glad to get out of there. You could not talk me into going and voluntarily becoming a resident. 
Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, uh, the company wasn't too good while I was there. The food didn't seem too good. Uh, and they didn't seem to care very much about the comfortableness of the inmates that were there. I was ready to get out, and I was only there for about 35 minutes. By the way, I think that'd be a good field trip, Brother Heath. Why don't I do that? Maybe that'll help our kids a little bit. Just encourage them. They never want to go there. But folks, this is exactly what we do when we choose to walk in the flesh. We are, listen, we are voluntarily being spiritually incarcerated, and we don't have the freedom to find and fulfill the will of God. Why? Because we choose to walk in the flesh. Look, this is a ball and chain right here. This is what holds us back from being able to do all that God is calling us to. And the Bible says it through the Spirit of God. We have freedom. But sadly, we don't choose to walk in the Spirit. Every once in a while, I'll get invited to go out to eat with folks. And uh, uh, I love to eat. We were joking last night. I got to go out to eat with uh, Miss Lynn Davis's Sunday school class. Boy, I had a wonderful time. Those ladies are feisty in there. Uh, you husbands of those ladies, I pray for you. After that dinner, boy, I found out you got your hands full. He's had a good time there. We were talking and joking about food and how much we, and we're sitting there at Olive Garden enjoying the food and how much I enjoy food. And from time to time, somebody invite me out to eat. And man, my, my, like it, my hair just stands up on my arm. I get excited about it. Everything else goes out the window. I lose my focus real quick when you invite me out to eat. And I'll get so excited and I'll call my wife and say, honey, we're going to go out to eat with so-and-so tonight. And she'll say, no, we're not. I'm like, what? She says, you've already agreed to go do this or you've agreed to go do that. You see, I, I can't go because I prior obligations. And many of us tonight, the reason we're not free to pursue and possess all the Spirit of God would like to lead us to do and empower us to do is because we're obligated to our flesh. We've made a commitment to our flesh and we're walking in the flesh and we're not free to enjoy what the Spirit of God has prepared we're kind of like a dog on a leash. You ever seen a dog on a leash? Every once in a while, we used to have to put our dog on a leash. We didn't keep her on a leash, but uh, she was not always friendly to strangers. And strangers were anybody that was not in our family. And uh, some of my dad's workers would come over, and it was amazing. Old Patrick, I remember as a kid looking out the window of my bedroom, and Patrick was always on the roof of his car. Our dog would go out to greet him, and he would jump up on the roof of his car. And we'd have to put old bear, you know, that was just a good creative name. I think everybody calls their dog bear. We'd put old bear on the leash and somebody come up in the driveway and old bear would take off and all of a sudden that leash would get tight and snatch her back. And a lot of us are that way with our flesh. Man, we want to go. We want to be engaged. We want to be a part of what God desires for us. We want to experience the power of God and fulfill his will. But we're tied down by our flesh. Why? Because we choose to walk in the flesh. The Bible says that we're more than conquerors. The Bible says that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That means if we are incarcerated by the flesh again after Christ has set us free, it's voluntary. And don't be surprised tonight if you can't be engaged if you're not walking in the Spirit because the Spirit is what gives us freedom. Galatians chapter 5, turn with me right quick. I want you to see something. Galatians is to your right. If you didn't know that, just want to help you out. Be a full service pastor if I can. Galatians chapter 5. Look down to verse 16. Now what are we talking about? We're making this journey. We want to be engaged. The Spirit of God, listen, is indispensable. We must have that. Why? Because the Spirit gives us freedom. Watch verse 16, Galatians 5. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
He shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you'll not, the Bible says you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't know about you, but this old flesh, it lusts after all kinds of things that it doesn't need. It's so aggravating. It's so aggravating. But the Bible says that if I walk in the spirit, capital S, the Bible says I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know what that means? I'm free. I'm free of the lust of the flesh. Look, there are folks all over this country battling addictions like you would not believe. And there's oftentimes, look right here in the church as well. Why? Because you live in a flesh body that lusts after things that it can't and shouldn't have. And man, we fight with this stuff. It tries to keep us from church. It tries to keep us from being a witness. It tries to keep us from being separate. It tries to keep us from being holy. And we fight with this stuff. And you're thinking, oh, I just wish I could get rid of this stuff. Well, you can when you die. But until then, how do you deal with it? Verse 16, you walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of God gives you freedom from the flesh. Now, verse 16, I want you to know, I take it literally. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many of our problems in our country could be solved if we just learned to walk in the Spirit? It's indispensable. You've got to have it. Watch verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, I want you to know, you read down verse 19, 20, and 21, and you're going to see some pretty scary things. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, all kind of things. That's the road the Spirit leads on. But if you look at verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Look at all the things the Spirit of God leads us to. You see, the Spirit gives us the freedom to do that. So, number one, as we set out on this journey together to be engaged in the will of God for Central Baptist Church, we must make sure that when we pack our spiritual luggage, that the Spirit of God is the first thing that gets in there. Because without the Spirit of God, we'll not have the freedom to find and fulfill the will of God. Jeremiah 17, 5, the Bible says, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man. It makes the, makes, uh, trusteth in the flesh. This stuff right here is not going to lead us to fulfill the will of God and be engaged. We'll only find freedom from that through the Spirit. Now read down to verse number 3. The Bible says what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Watch verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who, after, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So watch what the freedom gives us in verse number 4. The Bible says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Number 2, the Spirit leads us to fulfillment. The Spirit leads us to fulfillment. Now, I know we've, we've covered verse 4 in some other message I can't recall, but I want to tell you something. This thing of fulfillment will blow your mind if you'll just get a handle on it. The Spirit of God will allow us to fulfill what God has set forth in front of us. 
Now, I want you to know, so many people I know tonight, they struggle through life. They have no fulfillment because they're trying to find it outside of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God and following the leadership of the Spirit of God will lead us to find a fulfillment like no other. Now, understand this. As a child of God, there are uh, objectives that God has for us to fulfill in our life. God has checkpoints along the way. I've, I've, uh, I used to have a, uh, a, a day planner to where I would make out my days one at a time. But now, because we're kind of a little bit busier here than I've, I'm used to being busy, we kind of have an hour planner. We kind of plan out the hours. And I have different things along each hour. And Miss Pam does a great job, and my wife does a great job, and Siri does a great job, and helping me know all the things I need to fulfill. Folks, how are we going to know all the things that God has for us to fulfill on a daily basis? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Folks, there are people that we have a divine appointment to talk with on a daily basis. There's opportunities that God provides for us to be a witness on a daily basis. How are we going to know who? How are we going to know when? The Spirit of God. Notice verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That capital S is indispensable. This morning we talked about looking toward the finish and toward the end uh, of, of 2020 and fulfilling what God's called us to do in 2020. Do you know if you will walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, you too can reach the end of your journey. As the Apostle Paul says, I have finished my course. There's no way, listen, there's no way you will do it in the flesh. You'll be zigzagging across the lanes trying to check this and trying to check that when the Spirit of God would have led you with a straight course to fulfill what thus saith the Lord. Acts 20, 24 that we quoted this morning, Paul was looking toward that finish. But how did he get there? How did he get there? He says, behold, I go bound in the Spirit. Notice Paul equated the Spirit with finishing his course. There's no way that we can expect to fulfill the will of God and finish our course without being bound in the Spirit. I mean, being wrapped up with the Spirit of God. Folks, look, you may be intelligent tonight, but we are not smart enough to figure out the divine will of God in the flesh. You can't do it. You must rely on the Spirit of God to lead us to finish that course. And by the grace of God, we can. I believe in the church, we've gotten so used to these revival and retreat mentalities that we're just good Baptist people, so backsliding is part of our DNA. Folks, if we keep backsliding, we're not going to be able to move forward. You know, because that whole, there's a word back, it's part of the backsliding How are we going to move forward if we keep going backward? We don't have to, but we must resolve to be led by the Spirit of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, I finished my course. Do you know what that word course means? Those were divine appointments assigned to him by God. Each of us has been given by God a course. Each of these young people, you have a course. A divine set of appointments that's given to us by God. How on earth are we going to fulfill all of these things when some we don't even know about yet? By the leadership of the Spirit of God. Otherwise, we're up a creek. I was thinking about different times in my life to where different places God has led me and my family. Sometimes the decisions seem like the good thing to do, and sometimes the decisions seemed totally irrational. 
But I tell you, ultimately what it boiled down to was a guy that was not smart enough to figure out on his own and had to rely on the Spirit of God. Do you remember when, when Philip went over to the Ethiopian eunuch? He goes and he joins himself to his chariot. How did he get there? How did he get there? The Bible says the Spirit, it was the Spirit of God that led him there. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the Lord would probably have to ride it with an airplane in the sky telling me to go run up beside somebody's car and knock on their window and share Christ with them. I don't quite have that Carl Hatch courage yet to be able to do that. But Philip did it. Can you imagine? If there were, if there were other people around Philip, they probably would have thought he lost his mind. What are you doing? Running up to his chariot, asking him about Christ. How did he know? How did he know? It was the Spirit of God that led him there. He fulfilled his will, not only in the long term, but in the short term, because Philip relied on the Spirit of God. Now, folks, we can fulfill his will, but the Spirit of God is going to have to be indispensable along this journey. Before I give you the third thing, several years ago, maybe two years ago, I pulled up to my office, and there was a car sitting in our parking lot, and I did not necessarily feel like talking to anybody that day. Um, we were even joking this week. There was one time I even, I hate to confess this to you, but I'm just going to be honest with you, I even climbed out the window of my office to get away from somebody I didn't want to talk to. <laughs> my wife asked me about that this week. She said, do you remember when you snuck out your window? You know, preachers, we don't get to do sneaky stuff often, but... I guess it was my flesh. Man, it felt good. Is that, is that, what you feel? Is that how you feel? You know, would you do stuff you're not supposed to do? Somebody called, my secretary called, and she says, Miss Pam, I hope never do this, but she called and she said, so-and-so is here to see you. I'm like, well, I'm busy at the moment. I says, I'll let you know if I get done. So I just hung up the phone, opened the window, <laughs> and went out. My door, I feel horrible about that, but some, some small way it was fulfilling, all right? Well, I pull up to my office. I, that was just a side story. It has nothing to do with it. I pull up to my office. There's this car parked out there, and somebody was sitting in the car, and I knew, okay, somebody wants to come in and talk. And so I, I go in, and I really don't feel like talking, and then knock on the door. Guy comes in and sits down, and he's trying to sell me something. And we sit there and we talk, and I really didn't have a need to buy what he was selling at the time, but while he's, while he's there, the Holy Spirit says, well, why don't you, why don't you try to offer him something? I'm like, oh, you know, this guy, he's just going to say what I want to hear so that I'll buy something from him, and began talking with him, and I may have told you this story during missions conference, but man, it's a good one. It, it, it deserves retelling. And we sat there, the man began to cry. He was born in Pakistan, wasn't it, Leslie? Pakistan, his name was Sagib. And he was born in Pakistan, went to a Methodist church over there, converted uh, to, to Methodism, if you will, but never had trusted Christ as his Savior. We sat there, began to ask him about his soul. He didn't know for sure if he died, he would go to heaven. And he began to cry. And not long, he knelt down there by the couch, and I, and I led him to the Lord. And he looked up at me, and he says, he says, I need you to come tell my wife what you just told me. He was in a church all of these years. In a church, the Bible was supposedly being preached and was not sure that he was saved. And I didn't really feel like talking to him about the Lord that day. I know that sounds horrible, but I just didn't feel like it. Having a bad day, it was raining outside, it was cold. But man, the Spirit of God knew what he was talking about. See, the Spirit of God could peer into his heart. The Spirit of God could tell what he needed. So the Spirit of God was trying to get this old boy to just do what he was told so that I might fulfill the will of God for me that day. 
Now, folks, if we can't get in touch with the Spirit of God, we're not going to do what verse 4 says, fulfill. We're not going to fulfill all that we could in the will of God. So number two, the Spirit leads to fulfillment. Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Notice that word mind. They do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now that word mind, it means focus or give our attention to. For they that are after the flesh do mind or do focus on the things that are after the flesh. Or they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. If there's anything we can all agree on tonight is that this life has a lot of things to mind, doesn't it? There's so many things vying for our attention. I mean, with electronics today, it's just unbelievable. I told you this morning about just how one moment you're doing this, next thing you know, you've got distracted, you're doing something else. And, and now with, with smart watches and smart cars, it's so easy to get distracted by things. And there's so many things vying for our attention. But there's certain things that God would have his people focus on. There's certain things that God would have his people mind or keep in the forefront of their mind. So how do we know the things that we need to keep our focus on? Well, there's good news. The Bible says, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, capital S, the things of the Spirit. Number three, the Spirit gives us focus. The Spirit will give us our focus. Aren't you glad that even though we don't always know what a day may hold, that the Holy Spirit of God can lead us in things that we didn't even know were coming, as Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says to set our affection on things above, and it's the Holy Spirit of God that helps us keep our focus because it's so easy to get distracted. Throughout the course of a day, there's a lot of things I want to do, places I want to go. Aren't you glad that still small voice nudges us? It's kind of like a horse. I was describing it to somebody the other day. Uh, I don't know how it is for you, but the Holy Spirit is like a horse and a bit in the mouth of a horse. And he tugs this way. He tugs that way. And he's letting you know the direction that you need to go. I'm glad the Holy Spirit is there to give us focus. But we've got, listen, we've got to be familiar with it. A lot of times it's like one of the old radio dials. Uh, It's been a while since I've been in a vehicle who had one. But you remember the old ones that had the needle that slid up and down this way? And you kind of, I had an uh, 86 F-150. That was my first truck. And uh, still got it. Uh, it's just over there kind of in the woods of the camp. It's going to go in the uh, Andrews Museum, Ministry Museum one day. The, it's there, so we're saving it. We're going to save it out there at the camp. And it had a dial in it. And uh, it wasn't just punching in numbers. The people who had a digital radio, oh, man, that was the rich folks. They had them nice radios with the digital numbers. You had to dial it in. It's like, a, it's like cracking a code on a safe to get the right channel. And you hear the voice start coming over it. And then you drive and you're out of town and it goes out. You're kind of finding it again, you know. That's where the Holy Spirit is. You've got to learn to dial him in. You've got to learn to discern his voice. Why? Because he's the one that gives us a focus. Paul says, listen, in Philippians, I pressed toward the mark. How did he know where the mark was? It was the Holy Spirit of God led him to that. By the way, God's no respecter of persons. He's glad to show us our mark. He's glad to show us our daily marks and our life marks, but we've got to be willing to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Why did he mention it 20 times in Romans chapter 8? Because it was important. But wait a minute, when we lose our focus, that's when we begin to get in trouble. Isn't that when Peter began to sink? Man, Peter's walking out through the water. He had his focus right. He was locked on to the target, which was Christ. 
But as soon as he began to get his focus off, that's when Peter began to sink. Put it this way, the Spirit of God has got to be our default. Okay? It's got to be our default. That every morning we get out of bed, we're going to mind Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and lean not unto our own understanding. We will mess it up. You may not mess it up as much as I do, but you will ultimately mess it up. Why? Because that's what flesh does. You can't trust in this stuff. We must rely on the Spirit of God. And we rely on the Spirit of God. We will not only find our way, but fulfill His will for what He had for us that day. So number three, the Spirit gives us focus. Look down at verse number six. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Wow. Chew on that a second. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Once again, I take verse number six at face value. Verse seven, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now verse eight, we're going to focus on, and I'll give you the last thing. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Ultimately, the reason we must not only be acquainted with the Spirit of God, be led by the Spirit of God, be empowered by the Spirit of God, because that's the only way that we'll please God. The Spirit of God, watch, leads us to success. The Spirit of God is what keeps us, number four, from failure. The Bible says that when we're in the flesh, we cannot please God. It's amazing to me. It just is amazing to me. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But I watch churches... And the trend is overwhelming to seek to please the flesh in the church. So much of what we do in the church, and I'm not talking about what we do, but I'm talking about the church in general, we are appealing to the flesh. The Bible says that they are in the flesh, cannot please God. You say, well, how can you tell it's flesh? It's, it was the last part of the message this morning. If it be of God, you can't overthrow it. But those works and wealth that are built in vanity will be diminished. It doesn't last. Why? Because verse 8 is true. When we're in the flesh, we cannot please God. I believe tonight churches are literally out of their mind. When we seek, watch this, to do the will of God by appealing through the flesh. Verse 7 says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. So we think, you know, if we're just a little bit more carnal, we'll attract carnal people. You've got that right. But the problem is they stay carnal people. Look, when they come here, they ought to find something different than what they had outside of here. And what they find in here is real and it's lasting. Because, hey, that's what the Spirit of God does. What did it say? The Bible says it's life and peace. Verse number 6. The difference of what people should find in you and they should find in this place in the new year ought to be the difference you see in verse number six. Between death and life and peace. So what does the Spirit do? The Spirit keeps us from failure. Matthew 26, Jesus spoke to his disciples. And what did he tell them? He says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. And he went on to say, the Spirit is what? Willing. But man, this stuff is weak, isn't it? Why on earth would we rely on this to find and fulfill the will of God in the new year? There's no way. 
This is enmity with God. This is death. This cannot please God. It must be by the Spirit. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So folks, tonight as we set out on this journey of being engaged and we jump into this fully with both feet next week, we must understand, listen, as a church, this is not something we can vote on. We're going to vote to be spirit-led. I wish it worked that way. But then sometimes I wonder what the vote would be. No, thank you. We're good. You know, the vote takes place in the heart of every individual of Central Baptist Church. That's where the vote takes place. That I and we choose to be led by the Spirit of God. It's indispensable. John 6, the Bible says, the Spirit spirit quickeneth. What quickeneth means? It means gives life. I want you to know when God breathes life into a place, it comes alive. Now, folks, that's what we're desiring God do in this place in the new year. Not that we're dead, but we want to find what's next, the life that God has before us. But that's only through the Spirit of God. So what does it do? It gives us that freedom. It helps us with our focus. But folks, it'll keep us from failure if we'll just learn to rely on it. Heads are bowed tonight and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stop there.